we're going to go into the Word of God again. Now, we're in the book of Acts, aren't we? And as we're going through the book of Acts together, um, we're learning about what it is to be church and family and what it looks like for the Holy Spirit to be leading and guiding and setting the precedence. What's the priority? Let's thank these guys as they leave the platform today. They've led us so well. Thank you, Caleb. Thank you so much. Yeah, and as we're in this book of Acts, what we're doing, we're wanting to really learn what it is to be the church of God, what it is to be the family of God together. And so it's radical. The book of Acts is radical. It's about radical work of the Holy Spirit. And last week, we had an amazing time, and the Holy Spirit was definitely working, as he has been this morning, amongst people, speaking. There were many tears. I know that many people just found themselves just overwhelmed with the presence of God. If you experienced and sensed the presence of God last week and you were in the meeting, just put your hand up. Yeah, there's a bunch of us. Isn't that wonderful? And, and God's not finished there. There's more to go. There's more he's got to give to us and more he wants to do. And this morning, that's what's happening right now in this place. The temperature, God is changing the temperature of us as individuals, but also of us as, as a corporate body of people together. So I don't want us to move on quickly from what happened last week. It's not a tick box. We say, well, we've done Acts chapter 2. The Holy Spirit came. They spoke in different languages. People were converted. We don't want to move on from that. That is life. Acts chapter 2, what we see there is life. It's the Holy Spirit breathing life into people who were dead and bringing them to life. And it's that life that's so appealing to others. And so we don't want to move on. We want to carry on listening to what the Holy Spirit is doing, what he's saying amongst us. But I want us to go a little bit further into Acts 2 today. I want us to read Acts 2, 37 to 47. So it's just the end of uh, Peter's sermon. You remember what's happened. Loads of people in Jerusalem. They're there for the Feast of Pentecost. And they're there and Peter's preaching and Peter does what he does so well a number of times through, throughout the book of Acts. He says, this is Jesus, this is who he is, this is what Jesus has done, and this is what you need to do. And the Christian faith is that, really. This is who Jesus is, this is what Jesus has done, and this is what we need to do in response to what Jesus has done. So we're going to read from verse 37. So I'm cutting in. So remember, Peter has preached. The, the listeners have heard the gospel it says this, now when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. They heard about Jesus. They heard about what Jesus did. They were cut to the heart. Oh, church, I long for that. In our services, in our times together, when we preach the gospel and people are cut to the heart. And they said this. They said to Peter and the rest of the apostles, brothers, what shall we do? There was a conviction that came upon those who were gathered. And Peter said to them, actually, it's really simple. But it's also tricky. You need to repent. You need to turn around. And you need to be baptised. Every one of you 
in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. So it's simple, but yet it's really profoundly significant. You need to repent. You need to not just repent from your old, but repent into the new that I'm calling, calling you into. And the first sign of that repentance is baptism. And that's why we love baptism here. And it was significant that amongst these Jews that were gathered in Jerusalem on that day, that to be baptised would have been actually quite an offensive thing for Peter to ask of them. Because the converts to Judaism, the Gentile converts to Judaism, to the Jewish faith, they were asked to be baptised. It was part of their cleansing ceremony. They were baptised and then they were circumcised. It's how you got into the people of God at that time. And now Peter is preaching, he's saying to these people that are listening, these Jews who are, who are already converts to, to Judaism, if you want to be a Jesus follower, you need to turn your back on the old and start to pursue him, to repent, to turn around. But you need to be baptised, not into the Jewish faith, but into the life of Jesus Christ. To into Jesus. What Jesus says in Matthew 28, to baptise them in the name of the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Radical conversion. And church, I, just, I believe the Holy Spirit is wanting us to be bold with the gospel. Really bold with the gospel because the gospel changes lives. I just with Andrew O'Kane a few minutes ago, just um, where we were worshipping together. And he said, if you look around Eastbourne at the moment, you see the Ukrainian flag all over the place. And if you know anything about the Ukrainian flag, the blue at the top represents the clear blue skies. And the gold at the bottom is the grain fields that are ripe for harvest. And he just said, he said to me, he said, Andy, I just think that the Holy Spirit wants us to know today that the sky is open. The sky is open over us as a church and the fields are white for harvest. And it's time for us with confidence in the Holy Spirit to say, repent and be baptised. Turn from your old and come into the new. Don't miss what God's got for you. And so let me just carry on reading. Repent and be baptised, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of sins. And you will, there's no, there's no ambiguity about this, you will receive the Holy Spirit for the promise, that's the promise of the Father. The Holy Spirit is the promise of the Father for the promises for you and for your children and all who are far off, everyone whom the Lord our God calls to himself. And with many other words, he bore witness and continued to exalt them, saying, save yourself. Now we know that they can't save themselves, but they can repent. They can run away from the past and they can turn to the one who does save them, Jesus Christ himself. So save yourself from this crooked generation so those who received his word were baptised. If there's any doubt in our lives that baptism is an important and a significant part of following Jesus, this should rule the doubt out once and for all. 
Peter says so clearly, the first gospel message of the New Testament church, repent and be baptised. It's the start of a new, the start of a new life. And it's signified through baptism. So I want to encourage you, this is not a heavy thing, this is not non-grace. Grace is saying to you today, if you've not been baptised, be baptised. Grace is saying it's such a significant part of following Jesus Christ. And with many other words, you bore witness and continue to exalt them. Save yourself from this crooked generation. So those who received the word were baptised and they were added that day, 3,000 souls. Listen to this. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to breaking of bread and prayers and awe. Awe came upon every soul and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common. And they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together, breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favour with all the people. And the Lord added to their number, day by day, those who were being saved. That's the kind of church that I want to be part of. Yeah? That's the kind of church that we're called to be part of. You know, and God has given us an incredible vision for this church. It's a vision that we have, you know, that's based actually in these last few verses of Acts 2. These verses describe what ordinary Christian life really should be for us as those who have turned our lives over to Jesus Christ. And I just want to put the vision that we've placed before us again this morning. So I'm going to ask uh, Simon just to put these, these vision statements up on the screen. And when we read these vision statements, you'll see this is exactly how it is in Acts chapter 2. This is what happened in the church in Acts chapter 2. We've set ourselves a goal. We've set our sights high because God's got a great purpose for us as a church. So let's look at these statements. The first one, to gather to friends and family with every church member, part of a midweek group, regular feasts and vibrant community. That is what we see here in Acts chapter 2. Growing midweek groups, everyone actively involved, regular feasts together. We're starting to do that, aren't we, after church every month, eating together and vibrant community. That is what New Testament church is. We're setting the sights high because that's the height, that's the height that God is setting the sights for us as a church. Secondly, we're to grow in character and gifting with every church member regularly using their spiritual gifts, praying, reading the Bible with others. That's what we were doing just then, going around, using spiritual gifts, praying for one another, hearing what the Holy Spirit's doing and sharing it with others. That is our vision for this church. This is the vision that God has for us as a church. And thirdly, to go in mission and service with every church member able to share their story and actively serving others. We've agreed on this dream together. 
It's biblically based. It's from Acts 2. We have a bit of a climb. It's not where, we're not where we want to be right now, but we're, we're on that journey together. And my and Sally's encouragement to you, she comes up to share in just a bit, is how do we move from being where we are now to being this Acts chapter 2 church? But it starts in that place of we're turning our lives over to God. We're not holding anything of the past. We're giving up everything. In Acts, Luke tells us that the apostles set up structures and meetings which still form part of church today. They met in the temple courts, large corporate gatherings to worship together, to read, to study scripture together, to hear the, the apostles' teaching together, but also from house to house. They broke bread. They spent time in community together. You know, it's fashionable for us today to err away from structures. We think we're not sure about structure. We, don't, we mistrust it. But these structures have been placed into us as a church to in, order, in order for us to grow into all that God has for us. You know, true gospel preaching leads to true repentance. True repentance leads to true discipleship. And discipleship is what allows us to grow, but also stretches our net to be able to see more and more people come into faith in Jesus Christ. When it says they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, the, the word, the Greek word is literally poskatareia, poskatareia, and it literally means they stuck themselves to the apostles' teaching. They stuck themselves to breaking bread. They stuck themselves to community, to one another. I don't know if any of you have been to this lock, Cane Hill Lock, in, on, the Av- on the Avon Canal in Connect. See that? It's an amazing lock. But it, the water rises 237 feet in just two miles. The incline is one in 44. Isn't that incredible? You know, we may feel that we're at the beginning of this journey, but when we come into relationship with God, we need to plant ourselves, the boat of our lives, into the lock and allow the water level to increase so that we can move into the next step and allow the water level to increase so we can move into all that God's got for us for the next step. And these verses from Acts 2 help us to see that we're on a journey the goal is this, we want to gather to friendship and family, we want to grow in character and gifting, we want to go in mission and service, but we're going to take steps to do that and we need to plant ourselves and our lives into the purposes of God for us. True gospel preaching leads to true repentance, true repentance leads to true conversion, which leads to true discipleship. We're on a journey together. And just before... Sally comes up. I just want to, I was reading this lovely story actually of Joe. I don't know whether Joe uh, Funnel was here today, but in his story, his testimony just a few weeks ago when he was being baptized, he said this I wanted the blessings of God that God had for my life without following the one who gives the blessings. So, so often we can be like that, can't we? We want the blessings of God for our life without being willing to follow the one who gives the blessings. 
God brings us out of the restrictions that we have in sin, but he doesn't just leave us in that place. He brings us into a new set of restrictions that are good for us, that promote life in us. And this, this community life that we're to be a part of is, is that. I love what Tim Keller says. He says this, a fish absorbs oxygen through water, not air. So it's free only if restricted to water. If freed from water and put on grass, its freedom to move and live is destroyed. Freedom isn't the absence of restrictions. It's finding the right restrictions that allow us to truly be free. What is our water as Christians? Our water is community. It's our relationship with God, of course, but it's our community together as one another. We choose our restrictions. Are we going to plant ourselves into community? And as we do, we're going to allow discipleship to happen in our lives. I love what C.S. Lewis says in one of his letters. He says this, Has the world been so kind to you that you should leave it with regret? There are far better things ahead than any we leave behind. Let's leave behind the past. Let's move into all that God's got for us in the Holy Spirit. Let's be set on this discipleship journey to know Jesus more, to know one another more and to grow together. That is the vision that we have for us as a church. Sally. Amen. Good morning, everyone. I promise to not sing this whole thing to you. So, I oh know. So, we see here what Andy was saying what a devoted people look like. What does devotion to God look like? And then, what does that mean for devotion to each other? We're here in Jerusalem. There's 120 that have just been filled with the Holy Spirit, and then 3,000 come to know God, repent, be baptized. That means each apostle has 25 new Christians. And that was just for that day alone, because then it says day by day, there was more added to their number. So what did they do to ground themselves in their new faith? The apostles had a massive job on their hands, didn't they? You know, we struggle sometimes when there's one new person in our midst, don't we? But imagine each one of us having 25 new people, new to knowing about Jesus. There wasn't any New Testament, was there? This wasn't written, this book, until about 50 years um, after this point. So these Jews that had come from across the Mediterranean, that decided to stay in Jerusalem, they needed to hear about the good news of Jesus. They may not have even known his name before they came to Jerusalem for that feast. They might not have even known the miracles that he'd have been doing. They might not have heard about his death and resurrection yet. So the apostles had this massive job to say, this is the promised Messiah. This is the one who had been promised in these Old Testament scriptures, these scriptures that these Jews knew so well. He was the fulfillment of this promise. And what did that mean for them? Um, it meant that they were in the temple day by day. That's what it says. It meant they were eager to learn and eager to be with each other, learning from these apostles that had seen Jesus face to face. And the apostles they had the Holy Spirit, didn't they? Jesus said to them, it said in John, but the advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and remind you of everything I have said to you. So they didn't need to worry. 
They were empowered by the Holy Spirit to share the good news that they'd been living with Jesus and now they fully knew after his resurrection. But they hadn't left Judaism behind either. They hadn't said, that's it, I'm done with that Old Testament. They continued in the temple day by day, obeying those Jewish laws and those customs, even though those temple authorities had taken part, really, in Jesus' death. They still went because they knew it would honour God to go to the temple and to share the good news. And they knew that other people would hear that good news, didn't they? They knew that was there in the temple courts. They knew that they'd do that. So we need to come together and learn together in our groups. They are a great place for this, for us to open our Bible, to see what the Word says about church, to see what it says about our Saviour, Jesus. So we see the second thing they did, they were devoted to each other in fellowship. It's that common life of those who believed. So if we are devoted to the head who is Christ, we can't not be devoted to the body. I used to say a lot, and I still say it, I love this church. But you know what, over the last couple of years, I've really realised that actually to love the church, we need to love each other. We need to love the people. And actually, as I've got to know more of you, I love the church even more. Look at you lot, honestly. That God could make up this place full of you lot. It's exactly what he wanted, isn't it? How different we are. How precious to him we are. And that Greek word for fellowship, koinonia, I think I've pronounced that right, means to share in common. And I know this is going to be a really obvious thing to say, but this means we actually need to be together. Not just here on a Sunday morning. It means that we need to be together midweek in our groups. You know what we're going for here, don't you? No one left behind. That's what we want. No one left behind. We want everyone in a group. And it doesn't happen, does it? It needs to be consistent. It needs to be deliberate. And it needs to be day by day. And at points here in Jerusalem... There were strangers opening up their homes to people, people that wanted to say, I know, need to know more about Jesus. Come and learn in my house. Come and stay in my house. And it wouldn't have been easy. People from different cultures and traditions, we see Jews come from across the Mediterranean. Actually, it would have been tough, wouldn't it, inviting new people into your home to do this. But again, they were empowered by the Holy Spirit and their goal was to make Jesus known. And God exists in community, doesn't he? Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And we've been created with a community gene, even if you're an introvert. Even you introverts here today, we need each other. We are wired for community. We are wired to be needed and known. And our culture emphasizes, doesn't it, self-reliance. What can I do for myself? What steps can I take in my career? What can I do to protect myself? And at best, it comes into that familial unit, doesn't it? So actually, for my family, what do I need to do to pay into my pension here and to protect my children and to live in my little bubble? We need to go against the wave of this culture. And it's really difficult, isn't it? It is so difficult because everything that he's spoken to us says, oh, but you need to just make sure you don't spend too much on other people or you need to make sure that actually your time is your own. But we need to go against that wave. Clive was speaking to our life group leaders a few weeks ago about the danger of fellowship light. That Actually, we spend time with each other We love each other's company. We have dinner. We go out and do stuff. But Jesus is merely our common thread that associates us. It isn't our life's purpose. You know, we need to be challenging each other, don't we, when we're together. We need to be praying with each other. We need to be breaking bread with each other. We need to be saying, what has God put on your heart at the moment? What can I pray for you about? 
You know, what steps are you doing so that you can become more like Jesus? These are the things we need to ask of each other, don't we? Support each other, pray for each other. Perhaps your group's got a little bit off track. Perhaps it's come a little bit more of a kind of social meetup. I just want to encourage you today, get back to the word of God. Get back to praying with each other. Get back to practicing spiritual gifts in your groups. Our groups help us grow in character and gifting. If you're not in a group, you know what I'm going to say. You need to get in one. We know there's going to be challenges here. We know there's going to be people that have chronic illnesses. We know there's going to be people that aren't comfortable to come out at night time. We know there's parents and single parents. Okay, there's lots of different groups out there. And actually, if there isn't one that can actually kind of meet your needs where you are, come and talk to us. Perhaps we need to do some more online groups so actually people that are unwell can join from the outside. Perhaps we need more daytime groups so that people don't have to drive out in the evening. Yeah, come and speak to us about what you need. For some of you, it could be that you meet up with two or three people, you read the Bible together, you pray together, and that's your group. That's okay. For some of you, it might be 12, 14 people in a lounge. That's brilliant as well. We're not meant to be the same. Our groups aren't meant to be the same because we're all different, okay, and our needs are different. If you know some of your friends aren't in a group, just invite them to yours. Do you know what? If it gets too big, isn't that amazing? We don't need to worry about these little groups and protect them so much that we actually um, can't invite people in. Just invite people to your group. And we see time and time again that those people that are in groups feel more connected, supported, encouraged, challenged, and loved. So the next thing they did, they broke bread together in their homes. Now, this is going to be a phrase, actually, we might immediately just think that was just the Lord's Supper. But actually, as it is written, it's probably more like a common meal that they shared together. And then also, they would have taken that bread and broken it, as Jesus said, and said, as he said, remember me. Remember what I've just done for you. Remember what I did for you six weeks ago. I died and I came back to life. I gave my life for you. You know, if we wait to have people over to our house when it is its tidiest, when our kids are going to be asleep, when the table's already set, when we've got a bit of extra money to buy a bit of extra food, do you know what? We just won't do it. And I found that in my life as well. We've got a family friend. She's sitting just over there. I've seen her this morning. She um, has been coming to our house probably for about 10 years. She comes over once every fortnight probably. And um, I don't even think now, after this 10 years, have the kids flush the toilet. You know, I don't think, is the table ready? What are they going to blurt out during dinner? You know, if they've washed their hands. She just comes in. She's part of our life. And actually, she just gets on with it. She sees us not at our best. She just sees us how we are. And actually, I need to just do that more often. I just, I wait. I wait too often. And then month after month goes by. And I think I haven't invited anyone else into my home yet. You know, and perhaps you're not like me. Perhaps you're just happy to just get everyone in. Wendy's like that. Just come in. Come in, whatever you like. Knock at the door. Come on, there's always something. But actually, me, I overthink things way too much. Actually, we need to be a people that everyone just sees just our normal version of ourselves. Because then they're not going to worry that they're not the best version of themselves, that they can come as they are as well. So we need to be really deliberate about this. Yeah? We need to write down a list of names of people we need to get to know better. And we seem to say, come in, come in. Okay, so the next thing that we see that they do is that they pray. These are probably going to be times where they go to the temple, where they are following the set prayers um, that they do there, but also probably that they were just praying together in homes as well. And obviously, again, it says they were devoted in prayer. Coming together in prayer helps unite us, doesn't it? 
We have loved recently, after um, lockdown, coming back in person and praying once a month together. You know, but we know that we want to be more of a people of prayer than that. We really do. We want it to be something that characterizes us. It helps us, doesn't it, remember the past. It helps us to remember the goodness of God. Praying with others helps give words to situation, problems and needs that we sometimes don't have words to. You know, you'll be able to pray in a way that no one else can. And you might be worried at one of these prayer meetings, oh, they're going to pick on me and I'm going to have to say something and I just really don't like new people. And there's a lot of things that go into our heads, but actually just bring it down to the simple, I want to be with the people of God. I want to lift my voice up together and say, God, we need you. God is going to break your heart for things that he isn't going to break other people's hearts for. And we need to see that. We need to see that in you. You know, you'll pray in a way that I'm not going to pray. And actually to be the body, to be all these parts of the body that we are, we need to come and be together and pray together. So through their devotion to teaching, fellowship, breaking of bread, to prayer, we see God do some amazing things. In verse 43, it says, awe, or it can be translated as fear, comes from the word phobos. It's a response to wonders and signs with holy awe, the kind of deep respect that people feel in the presence of great power. They were full of awe. And this was on the believers, this was on unbelievers, this would be on the people that just looking in saying, what is going on there? What, is, what are these people doing? They were marked by the Holy Spirit. They were a different people. We were praying earlier, they were a distinct people because God was literally in them. You know, and these apostles that were doing these signs and wonders were kind of thinking, I mean, Jesus, I know you promised that we'd do this, but this is amazing, isn't it? This is amazing. Look at what you're doing. Look at these 3,000 that have come to know you this day. Look at these others day by day. So these wonders would have been miraculous events. I'm sure there would have been healings, you know, amongst those things. And then there were signs, things that point to things beyond ourselves. And all of these signs and wonders pointing to God, pointing to the glory of God. You know, they weren't watching the clock. They weren't thinking, look, it's nearly half 11. I can't believe they're not finished yet. (laughs) Can't believe it. Always used to be half 11. Quarter to 12. That wasn't it, was it? They were just so wanting to be together, full of the Holy Spirit, seeing what God was doing in their midst. They weren't watching the clock. They weren't. They were in awe of what God was doing. And also, sacrifice and service. This is maybe the most hard-hitting bit of the passage, isn't it? They were selling their possessions and belonging and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And this verb for selling in the Greeks used in the imperfect tense, suggesting they didn't just sell everything and then just kind of give everything away. Actually, as they saw need, as need grew, as more people came, as more people had to stay in their houses, as more people need feeding and as more people needed shelter, that they continually looked at what they had and said, I have more than I need, I'm going to give it to you. We want to be a community where nobody goes without while others have more than enough. Um, And the Jewish people would have been doing this previously. It's not like this was a new thing that they would have been doing. But traditionally, it would have been done really through the temple. They would have given their offerings. They would have given their sacrifices. And then the temple would have distributed it to the widows, to the orphans, to those in need. But the difference here is that they did it like that. They were willing to make those real sacrifices because they knew if these people didn't hear about Jesus, they'd be going away empty-handed. 
But actually, for the gospel to spread from Jerusalem to Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, they knew they had to preach Christ crucified. They needed these people to hear the good news. And because they needed that, and the people were hungry, they just had to give what they had, didn't they? And the New Testament as a whole doesn't always describe this radical way of living and giving. It does say that families are distinct, there's distinct units, and people have possessions, and people have homes. But at this moment, there was need, so they reacted. Yeah? They made a decision. So we shouldn't dismiss it too easily. It's not just for them. But actually, there's going to be a level of sacrifice that God might want you to make. But we can sometimes, can't we, run in the opposite direction. We can sometimes not make eye contact with that homeless person on the street or buy that big issue. But we have seen, amazingly, this Love Eastbourne fund that we've had since the beginning of lockdown. You guys have given amazingly, so amazingly. It's been a joy to see, a real joy to see communities, individuals in this, in this church, but also in the wider community, blessed. You know? Um, there have been time in um, our lives that was just brought to mind. Just There was a period of about 10 days where me and my husband both lost our jobs. Um, kids were still young. It's probably about four years ago. And we were like, this is a big one. Um, it's enough, isn't it, one of you losing your job, but both of us losing our jobs in that small period. And we just thought, come on, God, you've got us into this. You're going to have to get us out of it. And actually, I felt at that time where we were waiting for God to move that I actually felt like we had a period of being the most generous that we ever had been. And I think I was so needing to listen to God because I so needed to know what, to, what job to apply for, um, just so needing to trust him that actually spiritually our ears were just pricked up and actually became much more aware of other need around us. So we, we made a deliberate decision to actually keep giving, keep giving in the same way and, and more so because we just knew God had to do it, didn't he? He just had to do it. And... I think it was literally just that I was just so more attuned to God because I knew I just needed him so much more. So I think there's going to be, we're going to have some time to pray at the end, but I think there's going to be some people here that um, I really felt as I was preparing that are holding on to things a little bit too tight in your life. Yeah? We are only looking after all of this stuff for him until we go and be with him again, aren't we? And so I'm one of those people, I've really got to admit it, I hold on too tight. I hold on too tight to what I've got and I worry too much about the future. But I want to be someone that sees a need and says, I've got something for that. Yeah? It's a, such a huge privilege to work here on our pastoral t- team. Um, we see so many instances of people in groups, small communities, reaching out and doing what needs doing. It might be food rotors for people that have just come out of hospital. It might be going to stay with someone that's just had an operation who's a single person that lives on their own. It might be furnishing a flat for someone that's come out of a destructive relationship. It might be gardens cleared. It might be helping a lane pack. It might be welcoming Ukrainian refugees into your home. There are so many different things that we can do, and it is an honour to hear of you guys on the ground. I'm getting all emotional about it. (laughs) Well done. Yeah, well done. I know. Well done for seeing need and saying, I can help you. It isn't always money, is it? Sometimes it's time. Sometimes it's prayer. Sometimes it's a phone call. But actually, if there's a need and you know you can meet it, do it. Don't overthink it. I overthink everything. Don't overthink it. And we see this community now, don't we? Glad. 
They came with glad and generous hearts. This as well doesn't happen on our own. It's much harder to be glad by yourself, isn't it? Don't you think? I think one of the amazing things about being in a community like this is that we can come together and we can say, thank you, God. Thank you, not for just ourselves, but for the goodness and that we see in other people's lives. And it's inevitable, isn't it, when we live life this way? Being a thankful community and reveling in the goodness of God with each other. Church isn't something to consume. And I know we've learned that even more, haven't we, over lockdown and COVID. We are not your dose of feel good. That's not what we're doing here. This is not your dose of feel good so you can get through the week. This is the people of God coming together and saying, thank you, God. We love you. And how can we be more like you? Yeah? If you keep your commitments weak and your connections shallow, you'll be amazed at how unhappy you become. You know? Invest in a shared life together. We love you. There are people around that want to get to know you more and be glad with you. Yeah, that want to come and invite you around their table and say, come and be glad with us. Come and learn with us. Come and be family with us. And you know what? We always know that we are connected by our miracle working God. Because behind it is Jesus who makes all things new. Andy. You can tell she really means it, can't you? She lives this. I'm so grateful for Sally, for her leadership in this church, the gifts that she is to us. Yeah, let's just bless her. This church in Acts grew by 3,000 people on that day. It was supernatural growth. It was God that added to their number. We read that as we read through those last verses. God added to their number those who were being saved. So we know it's God that's adding to their number. But what's so important that the church was able to handle the number. And God is preparing us through the vision that we have, through these steps, through these different aspects of community life, to be able to contain a large catch as a church. There are hundreds of thousands of people that need saving. There are thousands of people in our neighbourhoods, in our schools, in our colleges that need to hear the gospel. As a church, we're not called just to stay this size. How can we disciple these people? We can only do it through gathering together in this way and through groups and loving one another in community together. And I just want to finish off just with some verses in Luke chapter, chapter 5. And it's Jesus with the disciples, with Peter, they're in the boat. So it's the same Peter that preached in Acts chapter 2. And he says this, And when he had finished speaking, that's Jesus, he said to Simon Peter, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we've toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. And when they'd done this, They enclosed a large number of fish and their nets were breaking. You know, church, if we don't embark on these things and and buy into these things that Sally's been talking about, our nets will break. We won't be able to cope with the catch. God's called us to cope with a great catch, seeing many people come to salvation. So Peter signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. 
And they came and filled both the boats so that they began to sink. You know what? I'm signalling to you as partners. We're signalling to you together because we're building church together. We're doing it together. We're doing it in our gatherings like this. We're doing it in our homes. We're looking out for one another. We're going beyond our comfort zones and we're saying, we welcome you into this family. And as people come into this life, they grow. They become more like Christ. And every day the church was able to take more people. Why? Because they were all in it together. Everybody playing a part. So as a pastor that loves this church with all my heart, like Sally, I love this church. I want to say in the strongest way possible, with all the grace in my heart, be a part of a group. Be a part of a small community of people where you love one another, pray together, read the Bible together, eat together, use spiritual gifts together. And don't let anything get in the way from stopping that. That's the goal that we're setting. And it's not, it's not just for our own benefit. It's for all the others that God wants to bring in. He wants to add into this family. Come, come on up, Sally. We're going we're gonna to pray for people. I wonder whether we could just stand to our feet just real quickly. Why don't you lead into what you share? So there's going to be some things, isn't there, to act on in here? There's going to be some people perhaps you need to invite into your community. There's going to be some finances that you need to just loosen the ropes on a little bit. You know? So I think you'll probably already know if there's things that God's speaking to you about this morning. So let's just take a moment in silence, maybe just to do some business with God. Surrendering it again. Surrendering all he's given you to take care of in this earth. Also, if you are someone who's the the person in need right now, there is no pressure on you here. You actually might need to say, I need some help this morning as well. That's really important. We know there's going to be many people in this room that have plenty, but there's going to be many of these people that actually you're struggling right now. So take a moment with God. Do some business with him. And actually, if you'd like some prayer, please do come. Please come and speak to us. If you want to join a group, Jeanette is ready on that connect point in a moment to come and speak to you about a group. Yeah. Lord, we thank you for your words. We thank you that you signpost us to what you know is going to be good for our church community, for our life together. We thank you there is so much to learn from your word, God. And we know we have so much to learn about being church family together and inviting other people on in that journey, people that don't know you yet. And so we say now, God, have our hearts again. Mm. Have our lives, have our money, have our houses, Lord. Mm. We surrender it all to you again today and say, have your way, God. Mm. Have your way in us because we long for your glory. We long for more of your glory in this town. We long to see you more. We long for you to be made more known, Lord. Mm. God, come. Take us and use us, we pray. Mm. I wonder whether... We could just, you know, if you feel that 
There are things that in your life you say, Lord, I want to give this over to you. I'm holding on to this too tightly. Maybe it's money. Maybe it's your perfect home. Maybe it is just independence and, and stuff that, you know, just kind of gets in the way. I just wonder whether we could pray a prayer together and just let go of it. Something very freeing about letting go of things. It allows us to move into the next phase of all that God's got for us. So I'm going to say a line, and if you want to pray that kind of prayer, why don't you just say it along with me? Or say it after me. And as we do, take those statements, pray those prayers. Let's believe that these things will just fall off us. Yeah, that's what we want, fall off us, so that we can move into all that God's got for us. To Lord Jesus, I give you everything in my life that's holding me back. You know, the perfect home, the perfect situation, even my own time that I hold precious, I give it to you. I give my own comforts and security, I give that to you because I realise that being a disciple of Jesus is giving everything over. Take it all, Lord. I turn and I give everything to you. Take me on this journey of discipleship. May my life be a witness to others of the goodness of God, <laughs> of the provision of God. That I can say there's not been a single day that the Lord has not been good to me. But I know I need to let go. And I do. I let go now. Have your way, Lord. And then I just want to pray what, what Sally just mentioned there, Lord. For those who are struggling in this room right now. God, may they find a place in this group of people amongst this family where needs are met. Where they find home and community and life. Where they're supported and loved and cared for in every life situation. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.